weeks before lockdown, someone asked me, what are you doing right now? And I replied that I am carefully considering the landscape of the nation and the church within. And I received this bewildered look. And now every church in the UK has shut its doors. And since lockdown, I have carefully watched the response of the UK Bride of Christ. I weep. Our response firstly has been to send corporate messages dealing with individuals who are hurting. Um, secondly, our response indicates that God's purpose is to unify the church and the nation. And thirdly, there is this general assumption that it is um, Satan's doing and God has just strapped an application on the back of it. So um, we're praying for God to stop Satan in his tracks, to bless us and so forth. And uh, these things, they tickle the ears. Yet I believe this is misjudged. Um, it is off point with the whispers of the Holy Spirit. And I think it is it's a result of our cultural lens. And if my general observations are accurate, then on each point, we have made an error in judgment. And let me address these in reverse somewhat. We often have a confused view of God's sovereignty, partly because uh, we, we don't grasp God's formation of the universe and uh, God's dwelling and ruling within it. So um, we don't have time to go into that now. I am going to do some teaching on that soon. But we ask, is it God? Is it Satan? Is this man? Uh, we have these distinct divisions in our Western mind, but that's not how the Bible portrays judgment or uh, bad things happening or anything for that matter. It is a complex matrix of a continuous series of events where man is up to much, Satan is up to much, and God is working his redemptive plans through all. Nothing bypasses God's sovereign filter. Not a molecule shivers without his authorization. Judgment by God can be seen in the Bible as raising up evil men, uh, allowing Satan to run with it and he's thinking that he's in control when actually God is accomplishing his purposes. It isn't one or the other. Our corporate messages perform as though this virus uh, and its effects are wholly of Satan's doing with no recognition of the state of the bride. I've heard uh, Christians say, um, this isn't judgment from God for the UK. This is a global pandemic. Um, and this to me reveals a shallow grasp of God's incredibly complex ways and means. I'm quite sure Jeremiah didn't say that calamity would come um, only from within Israel and therefore we will know it is from God. No, God raised up the nations within what the Bible describes as the world um, to then come to the land in judgment. Um, yeah, but it's affecting other nations too, I hear. Well, maybe. <laughs> maybe God is doing something in their nation simultaneously. And if you do want to follow uh, that kind of reasoning, then you have to account for the fact that Britain now has the highest death toll in Europe. Well, maybe, maybe it's not the church God is angry at. 
Maybe it's the whole country. Well, with you and I included. Let us stop and take stock in our own house. God has shut the doors of your church. Man, Satan may be involved, but this is orchestrated by God and we should welcome it. What is the Holy Spirit saying? This pandemic is, is in God's great patience and his great mercy. We, we call it a pandemic, but this is just a gentle, a gentle rock. It's a lullaby to wake the ill-stricken bride, giving her an opportunity to repent. It also forces the nation to stop and think, granting opportunity for others to come to know the Lord for the first time. This is the kindest thing to happen to the UK in decades, particularly for the bride. Now, I know that people are hurting at this time. I don't want to downplay that for anyone. Of course, you know, if you've lost loved ones, it's a, it's a terrible season. It's tragic. And the correct response is for churches to reach out locally and send those messages of light and hope. But what I'm witnessing is that the overarching messages sent out uh, to the nation or church body, uh, the corporate message, speaks to the hurt individual, which patches them up for a moment, uh, which makes people feel good for a moment. And of course, the gospel of the kingdom should be sent out, um, but that should be our bread and butter anyway. The bride is in desperate need of a Heimlich manoeuvre, but a bandage for the hand, right, that represents an individual, it feels better, it sells better. Our corporate message should not direct, it shouldn't be directed at any individual body parts, but as the, the body as a whole, which I will look at in a moment. Time and time again, I hear how um, it's amazing right, that the country is, we're all coming together. Really? I mean, people were hoarding toilet roll, like a lot of people. It's amazing how churches are coming together. I hear this all the time. This is not the purpose of God at, at this time. He is, um, you know, is he starting to make us think more corporately? For sure, yes. But God's purpose is not to unify the church at this stage. He's not going to strap a beautiful, bright, white dress on this ugly mess. He's not in the business of unifying that which is unholy. His purpose is to divide individuals, softening and hardening hearts, so that he can form the corporate. He will slowly cleanse the bride until he has a pure, whole, mature bride. And that means cutting out some individuals, um, grafting others in and transforming the individual hearts of this remnant to form a corporate body. God cares for you so immeasurably that he would rather you lose everything so that he can have you all to himself, so that the remnant will begin to shine brighter. Um, some will come to know the Lord for the first time, as I've said, and many will continue to walk towards the bottomless pits in and out of the church. So 
I believe our corporate message um, or our corporate messages, they are confused because we fail to recognize the purposes of God. Our corporate messages are speaking to the individual hurt and not our standing with God. Even the messages I've heard that address our standing with God um, are calling on God to do something. They're calling on him to do something, to bless us, to prosper us, and so forth. Good prayers, but I believe missing the opportunity and the correct um, spirit-led call for such a time as this. Our overarching corporate messages should be calling the church into a new posture. The approach um, that I see at the moment, it, re it resembles um, an ugly mess of a bride, a sick bride, looking into a beautiful picture of a bride on her wedding day and calling out to God, look how beautiful we are, Lord. Bless us, save us, prosper us, we've done great. But what is required of us is to change our posture, to lower ourselves in humility and stare into the mirror below it. And if we do that, we will be faced with the truth, a golem-like figure of a bride. If you do that, you will weep. When, when I saw my, my wife on our wedding day, I couldn't believe how beautiful she looked. I was thrilled to, to have her walking down the aisle, gleaming in her dress. But what if I, I turned round and I saw a woman whose dress was ripped and soiled and her hair was covered in sick and she hadn't even been bothered to put on shoes. I, I would have a word with the ushers. I would tell, I'd tell them, go and speak to her, help her get prepared, sort her out. We will wait, right? I weep over the bride. Not that I'm... I'm not separate from the bride. I hope I'm not. I weep over my own sin, the accumulation of my own sin, the sin of my ancestors. I weep over the corporate sin of the nation. I weep over the corporate sin of the church and the accumulation of both. When we look in the mirror and discover the true health of the body, we're, with that image of ourselves, we begin to grasp, um, one, what God's purposes are in this season and two what is required of us corporate recognition of, of our state and repentance in Ezra 9 we read about how the identity of Israel as uh, the bride of God this holy people had become idolatrous they had welcomed people uh, that were not holy into their group they had flirted with these other people and their idols uh, when God had said that you are my people and he is jealous for them so let's read um, Ezra 9 um, from the first verse half halfway down the people of Israel and the priests and the Levites had not separated themselves from the peoples of the lands with their abominations. And what is Ezra's response? Listen to this. I tore my garment and my cloak and pulled hair from my head and beard and sat appalled. He altered his posture towards God and prayed. And this is what he said. Oh my God, I am ashamed 
and blush to lift my face to you. My God, for our iniquities have risen higher than our heads and our guilt has mounted up to the heavens. Ezra recognises the corporate sin, our iniquities. He paints this picture of a mountain of sin and acknowledges it before the Lord. He continues, from the days of our fathers to this day, we have been in great guilt. It's not just the present day sin, but a a recognition of the sin of past generations. And this is important. And for our iniquities, we, our kings and our priests, have been given into the hand of the kings of the land, to the sword, to captivity, to plundering, and to utter shame as it is today. He makes the connection that judgment came because of the sin of not just the people, but he points to the sin of the regal, political, and religious leaders. We are all in it together. And he goes on to praise God for leaving a remnant of the holy people. And he finishes the chapter with this, behold, we are before you in our guilt, for none can stand before you because of this. And he then follows um, in chapter 10. We read this. While Ezra prayed and made confession, weeping and casting himself down before the house of God, a very great assembly of men, women and children gathered to him out of Israel. For the people wept bitterly. And listen to this this wording that continues. We have broken faith with our God. Let us make a covenant with our God. It is, it's plural, it's corporate. Ezra called on the people to repent and some would refuse. This pattern, I believe, should be in accord with the overarching message for the UK bride. A corporate call for corporate repentance. The leaders of the bride should be tearing their clothes apart, ripping off the filthy rags that we call a dress. We should bow our heads ashamed and blush before the Lord. We must recognise before the Lord the mountain of sin that we, the people, and the leaders of the church, the leaders of the nation, have mounted up. We cannot shift the blame. Our sin, our iniquity, our guilt, we have sinned. It is on us Generation after generation, it is our sin. Our father's sin is ours. We must recognise that this pandemic is judgment from God because of our mountain of sin. We must praise him for his mercy and his patience in leaving a remnant. We cannot stand before the Lord because of the sin. We must cast ourselves down before the Lord. We must weep together, turn together, ask for forgiveness together. This call is primarily one of posture change. Now, look, those that know me know that I I joke around a lot. But when it comes to the state of the bride and the things that matter, you better believe I'm serious. You know, we have this thing in the UK that... Um, 
you can't be seen as being too intense, too divisive, too negative. I'm not doing nicey-nicey churchianity. There's plenty of churches for that. There's plenty of churches where everything is kept surface level. There's plenty of churches that shout, are you not entertained? Right? Quite honestly, grow up. It's not a spirit of pessimism or a spirit of cynicism. I don't place my hope in this age. It's a case of looking in the corporate mirror and saying what you see, being honest with the health of the bride. Ezekiel describes a vision of judgment uh, because of Israel's corporate sin in chapter 9. And the Lord God has told an angel who um, is possibly the angel of the Lord, we understand as the Son of God, the pre-incarnate Jesus. And he told this angel to pass through the city, through Jerusalem, and put a mark on the foreheads of the men who sigh and groan over all the abominations that are committed in it. The mark, which is actually the shape of a cross, is symbolic of those who share God's view of sin. Now, who are those that will be preserved? Is it the entertainers? Is it those who say, calm down, dear, you know, don't get too hot and bothered? No, it is those who sigh and groan over the accumulation of sin. Now, if you want to call me intense or a groaner or a sire, cool. I'm hoping to get a cross on my forehead. I am trying to view sin as God does. This uh, vision, by the way, is a picture of end time judgment to come, um, specifically for Jerusalem, but we can apply the picture. Where is the groaning? Where is the lamentation? You know, Rather than looking at the picture and asking of God, we need to look in the mirror and ask of ourselves to alter the posture. And then we can acknowledge before God our evil ways and ask for forgiveness and cleansing. And when you look in the mirror, you will weep. If we responded in the spirit of repentance, it would mean that we got some things wrong, right? And I sense there is this fear of church leaders who, in putting their hands up, would lose what they have worked hard to build. And that means that we remain in preservation mode. We're doing everything we can to make sure that the numbers remain when lockdown ends, to ensure that tithes keep coming in, to keep the thing ticking. But look at Ezra, who put his hands up, so to speak. The people didn't consider him the worst leader of all. On the contrary, he is held in great light. And I would suggest that those leaders that do put their hands up in humility will be received by their own congregation. And sure, some will cut themselves off, but we should rejoice that the Lord is purifying the church. And the shepherds who do not groan and they continue in defiance without acknowledging any wrong will be eventually removed from their post and if not marked by the Lord to judgment. Jesus said we should be discerning the seasons. You know, a friend of mine who is not a Christian, about one week into lockdown, he called and I answered it. And the first thing he said was, hello, is that dialer prayer? <laughs> now, of course, he's joking around with me, but he knows full well that I believe Jesus is, is going to return soon and from the conversations that we've had. Now, why is it that he can discern as a non-Christian, and I know that others are thinking the same, 
they can discern that something is something's up, right? They can figure out that this season is different, as if we're heading towards the climactic end of the age. Why is it that most Christians can't? And I would suggest it's because of the fear of loss, of losing our brands, our ministries, our influence. We are so bound up with the abominations of the other people of the land that divorcing ourselves from these things will, will mean losing out. So we choose a blindfold. The Lord will return soon, and all indications reveal that we will continue as if nothing has happened when lockdown ends. In fact, our use of technology has compounded the issue. God may have to turn off our internet for a season in the future. He's going to get our attention one way or the other. He will bring calamity because we are currently refusing to rip our clothes, to blush, to cast ourselves on the floor before him. It's not that we stop life. Look, I'm currently building a giant treehouse for my kids, right? We don't stop building treehouses and planning for the future, but we don't place our hope in those things. We're not trying to preserve the idols we've erected. We recognize the urgency of the season. It's a posture change, the posture of the heart that is sometimes expressed in a physical posture too. God is behind this. Churches should be preparing the people for worse calamity in the coming years. The corporate call should be a deeply challenging corporate posture change, weeping bitterly. Not something that makes us feel good for a moment. Of course, that will go viral. Come, look in the mirror with me. Weep with me.